Welcome, friends, to Sanctimonious, a podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss a new Keyforge topic every week. These topics will range from how to improve at the game to building community and everything in between. My name's Jake, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan. Dan, how's it going? Hey, 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 the sun's still in the sky, the castle's still nice and warm, the drawbridge is still pulled up, we're still surviving here. I am glad to hear it, and this is a special episode because this is going to be all about Age of Ascension, not to be confused with <laughs> Arrival of the Archons. It's <laughs> uh, so funny, it still makes me giggle. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, basically, I think the concept here is we, I think between the two of us, have probably got about 20 games of Age of Ascension Keyforge under our belt. So uh, this is just going to be our super early impressions, but I think there are a bunch of cards that we're both excited by, impressed by, underwhelmed by that we're going to dive into in our main topic. Yeah, and like emphasis on, I mean, we've got 20 games between the two of us. These aren't like hardcore hot takes. These are just super early impressions because, yeah, we've not played enough to really formulate a strong opinion on anything, but... Yeah, we just figured we would share our excitement with you guys. I'm sure there's a lot of excitement out there. So, yeah, should we jump into our inspiration? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so I, I'm going to start. I'll go. The community of Keyforge is awesome. Um, so this one kind of pairs well with our last episode on secondary markets. So I do have a problem and I told myself I shouldn't be buying any more Coda decks as I kept bidding on Coda decks and Coda being Call of the Archon, the first set. So those of you starting out, Coda, Call of the Archon. And yeah, there was this really sweet deck. I was sitting there one night and it was Time Traveler with Lands and Lart. It wasn't an OTK combo. It had really poor Amber Control. Like, I mean, it was all about just pulling off a silly Lart or Lands combo and then just going from there. So I bid on it because it was like $20 opening bid. And I'm like, I'll bid $20. Like, I'm not going to get it for $20 with a Time Traveler, you know, Library Access Reverse Time and a Library Access Nepenthe potential combo in the deck. Like, there's no way a $20 bid is going to hold. Well, then the next morning, the nerf happens. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, guess what? A $20 bid held on that deck because... Once library access disappears from the deck, it's it's still kind of a cool deck, but it's not the deck that you know I bid on. So I ended up winning the auction. Uh, the seller Maudet M A U X D E T T E. I sent him an email. I was like, "Hey, won the deck. Where do you need the PayPal sent to?" And coolest dude ever. He's like, "Yeah." I, he's like, "I was after the nerf happened. I went to go take down the auction." But I saw that there was a bid on it. He's like, I totally understand if you want to decline buying it because it's pretty much a garbage deck with the new nerf. And so he totally let me out of it. So thanks, dude. That was super appreciated. Like, I think it still could have been a fun deck. Like Time Traveler Reverse Time would have been, probably been fun. But yeah, that was super nice. So community is awesome in Keyforge. Buyers and sellers are very nice people. Check out the secondary markets if you want. My inspiration this week is simply that the sky has not fallen out of the sky, at least in St. Louis. I played in 
three Keyforge events over the past week. And I think all three of them, one was uh, Call of the Archon sealed, and then the other two were Age of Ascension sealed. And I think all three of them had over 20 competitors. Um, so that, that was fantastic to see. Uh, the St. Louis community is is really vibrant right now. You would uh, expect to see a bounce with the new set coming out. People are excited to play with the new cards, but I think there were some nervous moments right beforehand because of the errata. People uh, were sort of calling out in woe, saying that it might doom the game. And it's just, I'm just really happy to see that that has not transpired and people seem to really be enjoying the new set. I know I am. I got a buddy Chase to come out to his second ever tournament with me. He won a couple of games, so that was really cool. Nice. And uh, fun to see new people coming into the fold and enjoying this great game. So that's my inspiration for the week. All right, let's do it. Let's jump into this main topic. I think it's going to be a little bit beefy. So we get to talk about all these fun experiences we had over the weekend. You more so than me, apparently. <laughs> so let's 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 put the worst first here. So I'll go first. So I got to go play in a relief a release event. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. Um, on Thursday night, it was pretty sweet. So it was a three deck sealed survivor tournament, capped at four rounds, twenty five dollars for three decks, which was super awesome. So I showed up a little bit early to the event. I bought, I paid for my entry, bought one deck so that I could hopefully find somebody else to jam a quick game of AOA with. I opened a seven Plagrats deck, which is kind of cool that I've already sold already because I'm a degenerate seller and buyer. So <laughs> <laughs> my first AOA deck is already in the mail. Just dropped it off like a half an hour ago. <laughs> so it is being sent out to somebody else to enjoy. But yeah, I got to play a little warm-up game and it like, my opponent that I played my warm-up game with uh, dropped Orb of Invigilis or whatever, the dis artifact that says every time a creature reaps, it gets stunned. It was like, well, we only had 30 minutes before the event starts, so I guess this game's not finishing before then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I had like, I prepped myself, I kind of looked through the spoiler that afternoon to kind of just familiarize myself a little bit with what cards are out there. Didn't do a lot of in-depth research leading up to it. I kind of avoided spoilers. Not, I don't know. I didn't avoid avoid, but I didn't like seek out and like study. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, uh, I got my three decks. Nothing was like really like super wow. And I think I actually managed to pick the worst deck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried, I, I made this little graph ahead of time so I could fill in like all the stats, like how many creatures were in each house how many raw amber pips were in each house, that kind of thing, steel cards. And so I picked based on, I assumed the meta was going to be slower and more battle line focused. It kind of been the rumors. So I picked the one that had the most creatures and the most creatures kind of imbalanced in one house. So I think I had eight creatures in Brobnar in the deck I picked. And then I think it had the highest raw amber pips, but it had like zero amber control. And so, yeah, um, yeah, so my so so the way the survivor works, if you lose with the deck, it's just eliminated. So my first game was actually really close. Um, I also had Heart of the Forest in the deck, 
and I was wow. I was yeah, I was behind. It sounds like a sweet deck. Ah, it's I've played it a few more times since then. I think it's it's interesting. I think all of my decks that I opened were pretty average. Um, sure. Uh, my first round opponent had played the midnight release the night before. She went 0-2 and then rattled off six straight wins to play till about Whoa. seven o'clock in the morning and get third place in the event. So oh she had God. about eight, <laughs> eight games more experience than I did. Um, she pulled off a really cool combo three turns in a row where she played Eureka, which is a new Logos card that you gain an amber just for playing it. There's a raw amber on it, and then you gain two amber, and you archive two cards at random from your hand. And she had also two ZYX researchers in her deck and just managed to always have at least one of them in her hand. So for three turns in a row... She played Eureka into ZY. Well, two turns in a row. Three turns she called Logos and played out uh, game three Amber each time, and I just did not have any Amber control to really do that. So my last final gasp in that game is I had a Lollop out, and I got to play into the fray and kill all of her Logos dudes in one go because they were all two and one power creatures. So I killed six creatures. I ruled a sixth myself with into the fray. So that was fun. She was like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, man, that's that's really good. And I, was, yeah. I mean, I lost the game, but I did something cool on the way out. Yeah, that card's awesome. Just like turn your giant Brobnar guy into a machine <laughs> just, gun. Just a machine gun. Just shoots down everybody. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then my second opponent was her boyfriend, I believe. And he also, I don't, I think she finished higher than him, but I think he was, he played to the wee hours in the morning too. So they're both good players. And, uh, I mean, I have in my notes here, Dan, Dan is bad at evaluating decks from AOA, which is true, but I'm getting better now that people are listing them for sale. You know, I've just been sitting there and reading lists off uh, <laughs> lists off of DOK and Facebook and all those. Um, and I think I held on to some Call of the Archon prejudices. So I had a deck that had, I had one deck that had Mars, and it's probably the best of the three decks. And I put that in my third spot. <laughs> so I never got to it. Um, I lost the second game in a pretty close fashion. Uh, at one point, he had a charrette. I was able to lights out it back to his hand, get myself to nine amber. Yeah, nine. Because so I was like, all right, now if he replays the charrette, I only go down to six and I still forge my key. Well, he happened to have two charrettes. So he went double charrette. <laughs> that was kind of the door that slammed in my face on that game. And then uh, turn one, wild wormhole into bouncing death quark on an empty board didn't help things either. Because <laughs> that was kind of the yeah. only uh, big removal I had in the second deck. Um, but yeah, I went 0-2 and I was going to stick around, play the third round and try out the third deck. And probably would have been super surprised by how good the third deck was. But I got the buy and I had about an hour, hour long drive home and, you know, rounds are 45 minutes. So... I took my one-two drop and drove home. Oh, man. That's a bummer. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer to get the buy. Um, but no, it was fun. The shop is really cool. Like, hour is not actually too far from me. I've got a lot of different shops that are all kind of in the 40-minute to hour range. So that's pretty typical for a drive. And this one was super nice. Uh, looks like they have a solid community. It looked, I think we had 16 people. I think we had eight tables going. And that was after like half of the people that played in that night had played all night the night before from midnight that's to like seven, man. eight in the morning. Yeah. So no, that's, that's really cool. I really enjoyed that it. That says a lot. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So that was my event. I'll let um, Jake talk about his event events. 
events. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, so the first event I'll just pass over because it was uh, called the Archon Sealed. I hope I opened a really good deck and I should have four owed it, but I kind of got a bit of bad variant um, in, in one of the rounds. And so it's kind of this weird thing where I think I won all the three games I won by three to zero or three to one. And then the one game I lost zero three Oof. and just couldn't get anything going. So that was kind of strange. It was fun event uh, and sort of a good way to like say goodbye to that. <laughs> um, I finally opened my first ever bait and switch and sealed the day after. <laughs> <a wrap-up. laughs> yeah. Like the new bait and switch. I mean, it's not awesome. Like it's fine. It's still fine at two. Like if they're at seven, you can still pull them off of uh a forge which is nice oh yeah it's still good i mean it's still above the average card curve like i was still happy to have it yeah, in my desk sure. it did good work for me um so then on friday night i did my first sealed event uh for age of ascension i got a pretty mediocre mars dis logo stack um the highlight was at three times cold a week uh, I, I ended up going two and two in the event. I don't know if there was any, I guess the, the thing that was really exciting about it was in the first round, I had the very first round, I played a really tight game with a good opponent. And I finally got to the point where I, it was, I felt like I had checkmate on my side. Like I was about to win the game and then he plays glimmer into, uh, which which is a card that says alpha. It's like a one power untamed creature and it can return a card from your discard pile. So he plays Glimmer into Persistent Hunting, another new card, uh, which can exhaust your opponent's uh, one house of the opponent's board. So he just exhausts my entire disc board, um, plays a bunch of creatures, then is able to somehow kill off his Glimmer I, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but he was able to recycle the persistent hunting just to lock me out of the game. So right at the point where I felt like I had won, he totally shut down my entire board. So that was sort of exciting, even though I didn't win, just to see sort of a new combo and some new really powerful cards. In the next game, it was almost the exact opposite, where I was like, oh, there's no way I can win this game. Uh, and then managed to just pull a win completely out of my ass by... <laughs> by using like, hypno beam to steal my opponent's mars creature which is the new one that uh increases the cost of keys for each of the neighbors it has so i basically was able to steal that reap with it to put myself up to six and take him out of forging and he couldn't answer nice. so that was like a crazy stolen nice, game nice. and then yeah so that was fun just you know seeing two really competitive games right off the bat was awesome uh, the second event I did was really interesting. Um, it was a run by the SheForge put it on, and the way they had it set up was a two-deck sealed. And before each game, you got to ban one of your opponent's decks based only on the houses that were in it. Yeah, that's a fun format. So that was cool. Um, I kind of had my strategy going in was to ban the decks that were the houses that I thought might be a little bit weaker in the first couple of rounds and then switch it up once I, if I went two and O to where thinking that maybe my opponent house that a pe- deck that appeared weaker was actually strong. And that's how they got to two and O. <laughs> um, 
so I did so I did manage to win my first two games. And I should say there's also a bar at this particular <laughs> so decision-making was being influenced unduly. Well, so by the time I got to round three, I compl- so I went 2-0 in my first two rounds, and I completely forgot about my genius plan and picked the, you know, the guy's deck to ban that was like Shadows Untamed logos or something Ooh. scary. So I banned that okay. one. Yeah. You know, he he proceeds to just like whip up on me on like with like a crazy Mars Robnar whatever deck, and I was like, at the end of the game, I kind of like had realized right after I said I'll ban that one. I was like, oh wait, I thought maybe I should ban the other one. So he crushes me at the end of the game. I look at his other deck and like, sure enough, it's like, you yeah. know, completely yeah. meh. Like I think I could have beat that one. So at least had a chance. That was, yeah. And then I end up going two and two there also. So it had a, I had a blast. Everyone I played was great. I was thinking about, I think, six of the eight sealed games I had were really close. Like two of which that I lost, I think, were winnable uh, had I played a little bit differently, you know, just reflecting on it. So it was awesome. I think that the sealed format is really fun, skill intensive, and at least in my experience, maybe a little bit closer uh, to the mean in terms of the average deck. But there you go. Yeah, you kind of jumped ahead to our early impressions. So yeah, transitioning. <laughs> so early impressions of uh, Age of Ascension sealed. So this is straight AOA versus AOA. I have zero experience at this point playing AOA in Dakota. So just early impressions, AOA on AOA. Um, the thing I noticed, I mean, battle lines. Like you actually are having battle lines, and they it really does matter now. You've got to be really cognizant of what is sitting on your opponent's battle line across from you. There's a lot of, um, along those lines, there's a lot of repate. There's a lot of creatures that'll stun you if they're out there. There's a lot of key increase costs. The Martian guy that Jake just talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the same game, but it's a slight variance of the game that we've been playing to this point. In Coda, it felt a lot like you really, you could you could win games without actually being on board. Like, it was very possible. There's decks that just win without even being on the board. They don't really need to. They can just generate so much amber so quickly through just playing the different cards and actions, like hunting witches into just creatures just to gain amber for playing the creatures. But in uh, AOA, I mean, it's really more about just eking out incremental advantages against your opponent, which is kind of cool. I think it's awesome. I think it... uh leads to a lot of really interesting decision points. You know, if you don't have any creatures on the board or your opponent doesn't have any creatures on the board, then there's not really ever a question about, well, should I fight or reap here? <laughs> because you just don't have that. Right. Um, but if you're in a situation where you both have three, four, five creatures, uh, then I think that is an opportunity to really sort of demonstrate Uh, a more nuanced understanding of the game like i have to get rid of this guy i need to keep this guy alive on the outside of my flank because that'll help this other guy or i can mess up my opponent's battle line by picking off one or two key creatures and reaping with the rest um i think that's cool i think it's it's a a, definitely different but i think it's sort of a a skill intensive type of there are a lot of creatures too that really their abilities predicate them to being either on the flank or not on the flank and so sometimes knowing just how to 
like my opponent had a gub and there's only one creature outside of it and the gub already had like three damage on it and so i just made some play where i, did, I think i just nerve blasted the dude next to him and then all of a sudden that nerve blast killed the dude next to him and killed the gub it was like a two for one my opponent's like oh that was clever and i was like yeah i thought so yeah, I lost, but you know, you get a good two for one every now and again by proper setup or, you know, different logos creatures get to archive if they're not on the flank, the Titan Librarian comes to mind. Yeah. Also it and it really has uh it becomes more important the way you position your own creatures. Because there's also quite a few cards that are like do two damage. There's a Brobnar card that says play, deal two damage to your opponent's flank creatures. Oh my goodness, that guy's so good. There's also the untamed action there everywhere that does two damage to each creature on the flank and one damage to all the creatures in the middle. So those are cards that definitely, I mean, like you, I didn't do a ton of research before going in. So <clears throat> after getting hit by those one or two times, you start thinking like, oh, I really wish I had sort of <laughs> formatted my own battle line differently. Yeah. So thinking about not only what is best for you in terms of maximizing your creature's abilities, but also in protecting uh, and, and fighting against what your yeah, opponents like Bram to have on Sorry. their side. Bramo. Yeah. Four power, one one armor. Dude is super good. And yeah, that was in my... Th I had two of those in my deck that I decided wasn't good enough to run and put it in the third position. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um. So the next point here I see I've listed is uh, Amber, lack of control. Yes. So I think the average deck in our <laughs> Arrival of Archons, <laughs> Age of Ascension, seems to be... We could just say AOA. AOA. The AOA decks, like, on average, I mean, looking at the four decks that I have, yeah, it just feels like it's... It's harder to both gain amber and control amber a little bit in AOA, in just straight AOA. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I I think it's... Uh, there definitely are cards that can create big amber control swings. Um, but I think they, in, in some cases, are, are more cards that require a setup in order to get a lot out of it. I'm thinking about the card like Mars Needs Amber, which uh, each damaged enemy non-Mars creature captures one to their own side. So it's like that could be a really big swing in the right deck with the right setup if you're specifically playing towards it. Um, so I don't know. I That hasn't exactly been my experience, uh, but I mean, this is just early impressions. Yeah. No, and I mean, I'm just... Yeah, I didn't... Like I said, we're we're su still super early here. Um, I like I said, I'm I'm admitting the decks that I open are probably extremely average. So my my view is skewed a little bit at this point. So I just need to get my box in here in a couple of days and find some good decks and really start jamming some uh, higher higher quality decks to see what they actually do on AOA because I haven't had that chance yet. Um, yeah. But. Then uh, the last thing I kind of had for early impressions is the archives are used a lot more now, it seems like. I love that. Like, it just feels so good archiving a card. I mean, I think one of the things that, like, I love about card games is just, like, drawing cards is always exciting. Because, you it could you know, it could be the card you need, it could be whatever. But archive, 
in Keyforge is like drawing cards plus. It's like I'm gonna put this away for later and draw an extra card. How no, amazing it feels is that? Pretty good. So yeah, archiving is plentiful, more ways to use it. Uh, I think it's also, again, uh, more kind of skill-intensive part of the game, like picking the right cards to archive, picking when to pick that up. Uh, So I think that is a great addition. No, it does. It feels really good. Logos does it really well now. Logos is is a house I'm really excited to play, some top-notch Logos lineups with some other stuff. I think there's a lot of value in Logos now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so the last point here, uh, so far, the biggest gain of a house for me, I think, is Brobnar. Like, Brobnar went from a house that I never was excited to see in a sealed pool, or or, or rather, you could say you're excited to see your opponent across the table with it. Now, that strikes fear right into my heart, Dan, because Brobnar is terrifying. No, I mean, the Ganger, it seems, it seems like Ganger Chieftain showing up in multiples a lot. I mean, it seems that way, probably not, but I've seen quite a few different lists now that people have posted with like double Ganger and like a drummer knot, and like that is silly. You start getting the drummer knot going. So Ganger Chieftain is from Coda, it's a holdover. When he enters play, he readies and fights with the creature next to him. And then Drummer Knot says, is he Reap Fight or is he just Fight? He's Play, play Reap fight. fight. You get to bounce a giant back to your hand, which is uh, Ganger Chieftain. So you can, if you clear the board, as Brobnar likes to do, you can all of a sudden start just rule of sixing that every turn for six amber. And in Sealed, it's even better because you don't know if they have one part of the combo. So if they just play... Uh, uh, Ganger Chieftain, you almost have to kill it because of how devastating that combo can be. Uh, or, you know, if they play the drummer knot and you haven't seen a Ganger Chieftain, it's the same exact thing. So it's kind of puts you in a really bad situation as the opponent because it's not like killing a Hunting Witch or a Witch of the Eye, you know, which you know can be devastating because now this is like a five or six power creature that you are kind of put in a bad position of needing to deal with right away and that can be a hard thing to do um and then i also just think the new cards they have that are play and do damage is exactly what they need because it's still a big body which they've always had but now you're actually getting value off it without needing to reap or fight later you're like automatic already picking off one of their annoying yeah, little guys so good because even if they only have one creature, I mean, it's going to be a flank creature. They have two creatures. You're hitting each creature for two. It's so very good. I mean, I can't even imagine like a Brammo with, because um, that's a playability, Brammo with Drummer Knot. I mean, you're just pinging their flank creatures for two <laughs> just over and over again. Seems so good. Yeah. So I've always liked Robnar, just like aesthetically. I think they're a hilarious and fun house. So it's just really exciting that now they've actually got something uh that make them actually a strong house. Uh, still early, but at least I would expect them to be much improved and uh, in, in shooting up the tier list a little bit in Age of Ascension. Yeah, and I think the overall consensus after the big sealed weekend that I've kind of been hearing all over the place and all the different discords is that uh, with AOA, the sealed environment's more fun. Not, I mean, maybe not more fun. More balanced, perhaps? Maybe that's the better word for it, because... While there's still good and bad decks, it seems like most of the decks kind of lean more towards the middle. 
So that means that you're not just going to open an absolute clunker. I mean, that, that possibility still exists. It doesn't seem as bad as like in Call of the Archons where like one person opens up like the ridiculous deck and nobody else has a chance. Like you just kind of feel like everything's kind of more, kind of more narrow and far as far as like good deck versus bad deck, which is what I was kind of hoping for coming into this set. I was hoping they kind of trim that down a little bit. That has certainly been my experience. I've opened eight decks now, and and one of them is a deck that I would feel like is a zero and four deck. The rest of them all right in that range of, you know, three and one to two and two to four and zero. Oh. Yeah, no, it just it just doesn't feel like you're gonna get locked out of the game just because your deck's hot garbage, and the games are gonna go long enough that you have a chance to let your player skill kind of shine through a little bit more in this set as opposed to. If somebody just has that super rush deck and you just don't have the amber control in your deck, then you're just kind of <laughs> waving as they pass you by. Uh, moving on to the next topic, we've each chosen three cards that we're excited about playing with in the future. Three cards that we were surprised and impressed by in our limited experience so far, and then three cards that underwhelmed us. So let's get started with uh dan what is the first card that you're excited to play i mean the first more? card that like came across was exhume um in magic i used to play birthing pod i loved having silver bullet decks where um you just have this ability to pull the exact card you needed exactly what you want when you wanted it and i mean that's that's what exhume is exhume is a discard that allows you to pull a creature card out of your discard and play it as if it were in the current active house so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can find your old disc creatures. My my dream deck is like two or three Exhumes and Toonie. Two of my other favorite excited core cards is Ronnie Wrist Clocks. So Ronnie Wrist Clocks is a Shadows creature. When he comes in, he steals one, just like an Urchin. But if your opponent has seven or more Amber, he steals two. So he's a slightly better Urchin in that sense. And I think these two cards could potentially pair together for some very strong Distant Shadows houses going forwards in AOA. Definitely agree. I love Exhum too. I was sad to see that you stole <laughs> it for me because that's like probably my most exciting card. Uh, and I, I love fighting games too. And in fighting games, there's kind of a concept that's like if you have a move that if you hit your opponent with, you can it leads to many different combo strings. It'd be like this into imagination. Uh, and I feel like that's what Exhum is. It just combos into imagination. There's so many different things you could pull back to pull off crazy stuff with. Yeah, and it gives you an amber. So the actual text is gain an amber. So you got the raw amber on it. Play, choose a creature in your discard pile. You may play that creature as if it belonged to the active house and was in your hand. So no, you can't bring stuff back into your hand for the next turn like you're playing it immediately. So alpha alpha targets are not allowed, okay. but um, you can still hit an omega target or just you know hit any kind of tech creature that you need at that moment, which we know in this game there are a lot of tech creatures. So just having that flexibility to get that silver bullet you need, you need at the exact moment that you need it. So getting that Bramo back to knock out their two two-powered creatures on the flank or something like that. I mean, just... The possibilities are endless. Like anytime it zooms in the deck, it just opens up a world of possibilities as you're playing cards. And oh my goodness, there's a 102 saturated deck with double exhum, triple running wrist clocks. I'm going to be messaging this guy later. 
Dude, that is such a crazy Amber control engine. All you people who say that Age of Ascension can't compete, but just watch out because there's some crazy stuff here. All right, so uh, my first thing I'm excited for is Might Makes Right, and that is the Brobnar card that gains you an Amber and says you may sacrifice uh, any number of creatures, and if the sacrifice power is equal or greater than 25, forge a key. Brobnar Kichi. Brobnar Kichi. Yeah. So, you know, I like Brobnar, and this is a card that is very real. If you have it with, uh, it doesn't say you have to, you know, sacrifice ready creatures. Right. So if you've got a couple of lollops in your deck, the 11 power mountain card, you know, <laughs> drop those drop those two the same turn and like you know that's a key right there so just the ability for grobnar to finally get something out of those big dumb guys that are hanging around on the board and hard to remove um i think it's very very real threat and and is going to be something that uh will be viable in competitive play and is i mean super awesome and in the sealed format yeah i mean you're gonna need one more creature that's only 22 power right there they're 11s but okay yeah you're right right. i meant to say you know okay so then you also have to sacrifice one one more guy guy. but the thing is like like you said they don't have to be ready so i mean you can just play them out in a turn and just get it really quickly so i mean if you do have the two lollops or even just one lollop that puts you over the needed power number that's pretty nice to get that key or and they don't have to be Brobnar no, they don't. Either, no so. you can go any house and i mean you can even you know if you declare brobnar that turn you can reap with all your brobnar dudes and then sack them for the key so you could potentially put yourself in check and forge a key to really put some pressure on yeah um so it's just a good card that makes the already good brobnar cards you know ganja chieftain drummer not even better so very excited back to you uh so the only other one i have that i'm excited for it's so like, I guess ahead of time, like I wasn't excited for it ne- like ahead of time. I didn't realize it, but uh, I kind of talked about my first game of AOA Sealed. I lost to Eureka and ZYX Researcher, and it was so crazy. Like that, that combo was so good. And just ZYX Researcher in general is really good because you get to set up your discard pile. You choose the ordering of your discard pile as you're putting it in your discard now. I mean, you can't reshuffle your discard pile or... Re- reorganize it to set up for a good ZYX Researcher. Um, but ZYX Researcher is a Logos creature. When you play it, you can either archive the top card of your deck or the top card of your discard pile. And yeah, just being able to play like a couple Logos cards or have like a tech card you used last turn as long as no creatures die. And you can play your ZYX Researcher right away at the beginning of next turn to put that tech card back into archives again to use again. Ah, oh, it's so good. So I've had a lot of fun playing with I've got one of those in one of my decks, and it's just it feels so good being able to set up that card. And if something's on top of your discard that you don't like, I mean, you can still, you know, hit the random access archive, which is an old Coda card, where you just archive whatever's on top of your deck and just kind of hope for the best. So, yeah, there's just a lot of flexibility there, and you can just set up a lot of silly combos, I think, in the future with different Logos cards by playing a Logos card, playing ZYX Researcher to allow yourself to do it over again the next turn. Yep. Very cool card. And it's nice that you get it right away as opposed to, 
uh, ZYX director, which has to stick around a turn to get the archive out of it. Um, okay, so my second excited for card was Drummer Knot, which I've already talked about. Y'all already know that I'm excited about it. Uh, so I'll move right on to number three. And this might be a little bit of a cheat. Um, because it's actually a card from Call of the Archons, but it's a card that I never really liked there. And I think now uh, with the new cards surrounding it, it, it becomes a very real card again. And that is Epic Quest. Uh, one of my sealed decks happened to be an Epic Quest deck with Sanctum and Logos and just a crazy strong uh, archive package. It has a... Um, ZYX researcher as well as the director, two copies of lab work and a copy of sloppy lab work. So it's very easy to get five or six uh, Sanctum cards into my archive. Um, so yeah, I think just these new cards uh, have kind of put Epic Quest into a new light for me. And it was the card I was not interested in Epic Quest decks at all before. It seemed like the work to get it out um, in Call of the Archons was almost never worth the payoff. Uh, but here, I think it really might be. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to find uh, a really good Epic Quest deck and see how much trouble it can be for the opponent. Nice. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Logos, Logos Sanctum there, yeah, is a beautiful, beautiful match made. It's a beautiful thing. Just throwing some, throwing some discs and I'm not finished with you yet. <laughs> uh, it's a card that allows you to reshuffle in creatures from your discard back into your deck. So if those knights accidentally hit the graveyard, you can shuffle them back in to redraw them later. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's go straight to the cards that surprised us. So these are cards uh, that impressed us with how good they were. It might be something we didn't think was good that turned out to be good or something we thought would be good and turned out to be very good. So yeah, go so first. my first one, I mean, this one's... I don't know why I'm surprised by this. Glimmer. Glimmer seems so good, and I think the reason it surprised me so much about how good it is is how many ways in Untamed you have of recurring it. I think that's the thing I didn't quite realize. Um, so, I mean, you've got Regrowth. Obviously, that's from Control or control of the Archons. Um, Call of the Archons, um, that's still around, so you can still Regrowth it out of your discard pile back into your hand to play again the next turn because, again, it's an alpha card. Um, there's Sp Song of Springs. Uh, I think that shuffles stuff back into your deck. It shuffles it back into your deck, which is still really good. Um, yeah. Because you just you keep putting it back in your deck to just redraw and play again. For sure, yeah. I mean, no, it's not. I I think it's really good. Because um, obviously, <laughs> I think it sucks. Really? Oh goodness. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, more on that later. Um. Huh. Interesting. No, Song of Spring. So Song of Spring gives you an amber, a raw amber, and you can shuffle any number of friendly untamed creatures from your hand, discard pile, or battle line back into your deck. So, I mean, you can just straight reap with it and then just shuffle it back into your deck to be used later, which I think is really good. That's okay. That's a, that's a good use. You've figured it out. Because it's, it's a one-power creature. I mean, it's not really. It's probably not going to stick yeah. around anyways. So if you just throw it back in your deck where it's actually, like, the best use of that card is when you play it. Um, Nature's Call is still a thing, yeah. so you can return it. So then you can keep glimmering back into Nature's Call over and over again for kind of a weird soft lock combo. So you can just return Glimmer from your side and two of your opponent's creatures and 
I don't know. There's just a lot of fun things you can do with Glimmer. It's a, it's it's kind of a you know a weird combo enabler a little bit. And I just didn't re I didn't realize there's as many ways to recur it as there are. So it makes me happy. Don't get me wrong, Glimmer I think is a great card. Um, but speaking of not sticking around <laughs> long, one card that really surprised me was Duskwitch, and that. That is an untamed card that has Omega, so you have to play it last in your turn. And it says, Kill me now. <laughs> your creatures enter play ready. I see this as the new Witch of the Eye, which in the sense that if this card sticks around for even one turn, the value that you can get out of it might just win you the game on the spot, more or less. If you're playing and using three or more creatures that turn, you know, a lot of times that's just good game for the opponent. A couple of times I've had it stick and it, it was exactly as intended for me. You know, it was just totally brutal for the opponent. So when you play this card, it puts the onus on your opponent to kill it immediately. It's a fantastic card to play on the first turn when they might not have any, you know, when they don't have any creatures out and might not have the action that they need to take care of it. Um, so that's a great use for it. And then there's also a ton of good ways to protect it. Uh, there's a lot of good um, taunt creatures. There's even in Untamed itself, there's Grove Keeper that can give an extra power to survive a lot of the one damage spells. So it's a card that I think sticks around more than people might think. And if it does, it's just like, my God, it's going to be really devastating. Yeah. I don't know. I've... So... Of the 10 games I played, I've probably played five of them with Dusk Witches in both of our decks. And I think we only ever... I got to use my Dusk Witch one time in the five games. I mean, it's it's tough to make it stick. I mean, it's a one-power creature, and there's so many things that can just ping it off the board right now. But right. yeah, I mean, if you do if you do stick it, yeah. I think I had three creatures, and I, I mean, I won that game. Like, <laughs> yeah, There you go. <laughs> with three, like... three creatures drop in and can reap right away, or use whatever crazy actions or abilities they have without your opponent getting a chance to wipe them off the board first. Yeah, it's really good, but I don't know. I'm probably a little bit lower on Duskwitch just because of its one power, and I just, I don't know. If I see that in my opponent's lineup, like I'm probably earmarking something for it because, yeah, you just sure. can't let it live. That's totally fair, but I think even that, the fact that your opponent has to kill it just is is a powerful effect in its own right because it yeah. may take them off of whatever else they could do more efficiently and there's ways to recur it so that that's my feelings on it but i totally understand where you're coming from as well i'm going to go next igor this guy is great um i'm a magic player i know how to loot like this is so good it's a loot i mean it's kind of i mean it's it's, it's a loot it's draw three grab one of them put the other two in discard so good pairs well with my ZYX Researcher that I was just talking about before. Uh, if you have ZYX Researcher or if you find ZYX Researcher in the top three, you put down the other two, but put the one that you want to have still on top and play your ZYX Researcher and then throw that into your archives. So good. Oh, it just feels so good. And there's so many times in this game where you feel like, oh, I need this one card to get me out of this situation. And it just, I mean, it digs three cards. So yeah, I really like Igor. The discard... I don't think is a huge downside with God, there's I mean there's a lot of cards in this set that you can pull stuff out of your discard. So it's almost nice throwing Yeah, I think it's a discard. benefit. Yeah. 
I mean, Exhume we've talked about. So you find two creatures. Glimmer we've talked about. Yeah, Glimmer. Glimmer brings something back. So, I mean, there's so many ways to recur things out of your discard. It's just giving you more options for those kinds of cards. So, yeah, Igor, great. Totally agree. I did not know this card existed, and I saw it in my opening hand in one of the sealed events, and I just played it on the first turn, and it's like, wow, that card is insane. <laughs> feels so just good. like such a good first turn play, set up my next turn perfectly. Uh, just fantastic. I completely agree with that one. And also, you stole that one from me, too. So. <laughs> Great minds and all that. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one we already talked about, um, but is Into the Fray, and that's the Brobnar upgrade that lets you uh, ready. It gives a creature the fight ability that's ready this creature. So I just think that is another card that just makes Brobnar a lot better. Yeah. Um, because um, troll or grogans or whatever fighting once very underwhelming but fighting up to six times in a turn now we're talking if they live through it all i mean they still have to live to but yeah sure but i mean take out three creatures or two and then reap or maybe you know you sacrifice your sanctum thing to give your creatures invulnerability like there's 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 quite a few tricks with it very nice all right i still think uh you know if, if you have a Groggins on the board and play into the fray, you're probably trading with three creatures, yeah. which is pretty good. No, it, it is solid. I mean, like Jake's saying, though, it's got to be a friendly, ready Brobnar creature to play it on it. So, I mean, it takes a little bit of a setup. I mean, it's not just it, you don't play it on it and it just readies them right away. Yeah, this isn't one that I'm saying is as good as some of these other cards we're talking about, but it definitely impressed me uh, with its how much damage I was able to do with it in the limited amount of games that I've played so far. All right. Um, the last card that I was kind of surprised by was Fang House, actually. Um, I saw it was Hazardous 3, Assault 3, and it's like, oh, that's neat. You know, that's kind of cool. Cool artwork. But uh, in this land of elusives, and there's a lot of elusive creatures in this set. Um, we were just talking about Dusk Witch is elusive. That Assault 3 hits those elusive guys, plus doesn't take any damage coming back at him. And then if your opponent wants to remove your Fang House, they're taking six damage since it's Hazardous three. So, I don't, it's not like super overpowered, but man, it's so nice against a lot of these elusive creatures where you can just ping them off the board and not take any damage while doing it. And then you don't have to swing two guys into their one guy to get rid of the problematic, yeah, elusive guy. So Fang Fang House surprised me a lot. Like that that assault three is for real. Totally agree. That That's another one that jumped out as me as well. Um, my final one is Bren the Fanatic. And this is a Shadows card that set, is a creature with three power and skirmish. And it says, play, your opponent gains one amber, destroyed, steal three amber. And so that's an obviously powerful effect. Steal, anything that says steal three on it is going to be very strong. But I was worried going into it that it might just be okay if you don't have a way to destroy it on your own. But I actually ended up pulling a deck with Brand where I cannot destroy it on my own, uh, and it's still just really good. There's so many universal effects that can accidentally scoop that guy up, and if you play him early, paying one amber for a card that's going to pretty much stick around all game if your opponent can help it <laughs> is, is well worth the cost. And then another benefit of it that I didn't see before is a lot of times you've got a shadow's hand and you kind of hold off on playing it because you might have a routine job 
or or something else or ronnie wrist clocks that says steal and your opponent doesn't have any amber if you play uh brand and then your ronnie wrist clocks now you, they have an amber to steal so you're gaining one when you otherwise would sort of have a dud so there's lots of ways to sort of even take that giving your opponent one and use that to your advantage so just overall i think that card is excellent brand into nerve blast into a seeker needle to finish him off and throwing stars yeah no like you said hypothetically like you really want to see him with like a life for life like that would be fantastic that's the shadows card where you sacrifice one of your dudes and deals six damage to an enemy creature it's like that's a great great little combo there to look out for and then there's no there's the disc creature i can't remember his name now he's like a seven power that has to sacrifice a creature when he's played so that's a nice partner to brand as well but yeah Brand is Brand is pretty cool. So let's let's test your theory though. What do you think of Swindle? Swindle is a Shadows card that's Alpha and Omega, so it's the only card you can play. You can't do anything else on your turn, and you steal three. What are your early impressions of Swindle? Uh, my early impressions are that it's a very powerful card. Um, I don't know. I, I almost chose that as one of my excited for, just because I don't know yet. Uh, where it's going to come down on. Is this card great or just kind of mediocre? But I don't think it's bad um, because stealing three is, I mean, that's stealing an entire key in terms of like net gain of amber. Um, so I think it's worth it in a lot of cases. A tough one. I'm going back and forth. I mean, it really depends on the deck it's in. Like if your Shadow's House is just a bunch of like steal actions, then I think it's good. But if your Shadow's House has like creatures, you have creatures on board when you're playing it like you can't use those creatures that turn so i mean i think it's very deck dependent and i'm still not sure where i come down because like i played one of my 10 games i swindled my opponent and they swindled me right back so we did nothing for two turns like (laughs) we literally just time walked ourselves for two turns so i don't (laughs) back to that's amazing back to back swindles is just like well like that that was pointless (laughs) We, we advanced nothing i mean the thing with like treasure map from Call of the Archons, that one gave you an amber plus gave you three amber if that was the only card you played that turn and it didn't allow you to play any other cards that turn. You could still use your board. So you could still use your artifacts. You could still use your creatures. So you could, I mean, even when you played treasure map, you could still do something, but you just can't do anything with Sindel. Like that is your turn. Drop that card, draw one card. You can't discard cards. Like you can't do anything else. Yeah, we'll see. I I would if I had to wager on it, I would guess that that card comes up in some top in in some of the top competitive decks. That would be where I'm coming down right now. But I could totally be wrong. I, I'm falling more on the end that it probably isn't just because it's too situational and it just. I'll, I'll come down on the other side of that. All right, good discussion. Cards that underwhelm. All right, so my card, my first card that underwhelmed was Lamindra. Um, seems kind of cool. Deploy one power shadows creature gives her neighbors elusive. But again, like that one power, it feels like there's just so many ways to remove her that she is such a non-factor that uh, like I had her and I was kind of excited, but then I played her a couple times and like either my opponent didn't care about even killing the creatures that she was getting elusive to, or they just, you know, pinged her first and then killed the other guys. Totally agree with you. Uh, I don't think it's like a terrible, terrible card, but you, there's a lot of Shadows cards that you'd be rather have in that spot. My first card that Underwhelmed is the Flex. 
this was a card I was excited about, maybe just biased by flavor reasons. <laughs> um, but in reality, you know, because you see it and you see, uh, you know, the what Lollop, the 11 power creature, and you're like, oh, dang, like I can just pop this for five amber. But that is uh, the best case scenario. And in a lot of cases, uh, you know, if, if you've got a creature that's nine, uh, that's only four, and it's really only three because you're giving up the ability to reap or fight with it, and it has to be ready. So if you have that in your hand with one of those creatures, then you're in a tough spot where it's like, okay, I guess I play this and then maybe save this for a later turn, chain myself, and it just doesn't feel good, especially when compared with, you know, just something like Virtuous Works that's just like game three Amber. Give me that, uh, or Eureka. Give me that every time over a difficult to set up card that's usually going to be three amber at best. Yep. All right. So my next one will be Bordeen, the Redeemed. It's a Sanctum creature, three power. I think he's elusive. Maybe. Doesn't matter. He's awful. <laughs> uh, sorry, Sanctum. You're bad. So he has an action that says capture two. And that seems cool, but man, like. It just kind of indicates here, like your opponent can see when you play him, like next turn, oh, if I'm going to forge my key, I guess I just have to go to eight this next turn because he can capture two with that guy. So, I mean, there's some some good in that, I suppose. But for the most part, I mean, you'd rather be reaping yourself and gaining amber. Like there's just not, like using an action to just capture two of your opponent's amber, like Sequus reaped and capture one, and that's amazing using an action so you're not actually getting yourself any closer to winning the game just to capture two of your opponent's amber not as awesome yeah that feels like it should be a reap ability i I mean i don't think like even if that says reap capture two that's like a mediocre card at best if it's reap capture two it's nuts (laughs) i don't think so really it's just still so easy to get rid of I mean, I don't know. I don't, with all the taunt creatures, I mean, they need direct damage removal to get rid of it. Then Sequest stick, sticks around at four. And the armor. Yeah. No, I don't know. But... I mean, I don't know. All right. Well, we can. <laughs> we can that, but yeah, for the most part, actions, uh, action capture two, meh. So meh. Like, not, not worth it. Agreed. My next one is Shard of Life. And honestly, I was tempted to just put all of the shards here, but I think some of them uh, can be okay. But Shard of Life is the untamed one that says uh, return or shuffle one card from your discard pile back into your deck for each shard that you have. And I, I got a deck with this and it just feels incredibly underwhelming. I mean, I, it's an it's a artifact, so I guess it's best to play it early, but shuffling a card back into your deck early on is just so low impact. Maybe you can get one good activation of it that's really going to be valued to you late in the game when you're about to go back through your deck or something like that. But it's just a lot of time uh, for something that doesn't have any impact on the board for at least three turns, right? You have to play it, you have to use it, and then draw that card at some point in the future and use that. And that just feels too low impact to be really any good at all. See, I, I, man... We, we clearly differ on the value of shuffling something back into your deck. Yeah, cool. I just, I mean, again, I may be influenced by the couple of decks I have, but, like, one of my decks, I have Bouncing Death Quark as my, like, chief removal in the deck. So, I mean, if I could recur that, if I could shuffle that back in, 
so I can hit it again when I need it again. That would be great. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of tech cards that you need multiple times in a game that if you could reshuffle in, it seems really good. Like a Ronnie Wrist Clocks, like I would never, never be sad to reshuffle that guy back in. Reshuffling the Glimmer back in. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but it's also an artifact. So a lot of times it's in like the bottom half of your deck and then That's fine. like then you're not you're not being affected by it. <laughs> but then you're eventually drawing it and playing it and then waiting around for another untamed turn. I don't know. That that's my that's my thinking on it anyway. Just low impact. Yeah, maybe I value artifacts more than you just because I see them as once they're on the board, they're additional options per per the turn that you call that house. Like you don't have to call the house for those artifacts. But when you do call those houses and you get those extra effects that are just sitting there and are still fairly hard to remove, there's still not a ton of artifact hate. There's a little bit more, but... I think that's probably right then, because there are a few artifacts I think are very good, but by and large, I think they're just kind of underwhelming (laughs) as a group. Yeah. All right. So my, my last one that I listed is just like super underwhelmed is Cutthroat Research. It is the Logos card where the best part of it is it's a raw amber for an action. Um, If your opponent has eight or more amber, you steal two, which still doesn't bring them off of a forge. And so I don't like this card just seems like garbage. It's a common. So unfortunately, you're going to see it a lot. And like, I mean, the best thing that can be said about it, again, is that you get a raw amber for playing it. So it's got that going for it. But that's about it. Interestingly, it would be much better if it was a rare because then you know your opponent could be like tricked into like oh well they probably don't have that rare card but as a common you know it'd be almost foolish to go up to eight against the logos deck and seal even with that card though i don't think logos has a way to even steal further under that though because dexter is not around in age of ascension i don't believe we still don't want your opponent to gain two amber for no reason no i mean there'll be There'll be times somebody's going to steal two off of you, but I don't know. It's still not going to feel that bad because they still didn't pull you off of check. So if they went Logos, they're conceding that you're going to have the key anyways. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's worth it. I agree. Towards the key. Just look at this situation. If you go to seven trying to play around that card and they Ronnie wrist clocks you, then you don't forge. So I don't know. Okay. Rather go to eight. Yeah. I mean, it, again, this all depends on what's in your opponent's deck and what houses they have. Yeah. If you're in a sealed environment, and you don't know, but you know they have shadows and logos. I would rather get hit by <laughs> Cutthroat Research than by Ronnie at seven because I was trying to play around Cutthroat Research. My final card that underwhelmed is Streak, and this is a two-power disc creature with elusive that says if Streak is not on the flank, uh, your opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by one. So I saw this card, I was like, oh sweet. It's like a succubus. It's a suckier succubus. Like succubus, that's one of my favorite creatures. Um, it, but it's it is not succubus. It is way worse. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you just don't have a, another creature to put on the outside of it when you want to play it, and then it's way easier to remove that effect because when succubus, like, okay, you had to kill that creature uh, for three. You know, now you all you have to do is kill one on the outside of it or you can kill that creature so there's just like more options to get out from under it and yeah just just really underwhelming it still has a powerful effect when you can get it off but succubus it is not it is far more conditional all right so we're super long so let's go into the oh sam, oh, sam. 
that's still fun. Uh, so my OSAM, I'm taking it this week. I'm calling it the Martian Generosity. We'll have a nerf before the end of August. Like this card is whoa. This card hot take. This card is too good. It is too good. Um, we're out of time, so I won't get super far into it. But pretty much, if um, Nepenthe Seed, Nepenthe Seed is still around, so is Key Abduction. You can literally Martian Generosity at four amber. That'll push you to five amber because it gives you an amber when you play it. And then you lose all of your amber and you draw two cards for each amber lost. So at five amber, you're drawing 10 cards. So if he started the turn with Nepenthe Seed out and drew 10 cards with Key Abduction in your hand, you now have enough to play a Key Abduction to gain one amber, forge a key, Nepenthe Seed, Key Abduction back to your hand play key abduction and forge two keys in a turn at the cost of starting the turn with four amber and i mean it's three cards but if you're like down to your last like 12 cards and you play martian generosity and key abduction is still in the last 12 you've got a pretty good shot of hitting your key abduction um yeah i i'm not the police here but uh don't spend a ton of money on a martian generosity deck because i just it just it feels better than library access nepenthe seed i don't know i feel like it's gonna be more consistent to pull that off than chaining through your deck multiple times uh the pros to it is it's not going to take 15 to 20 minutes to do the combo <laughs> you over real quick like it's just you know real quick they pull that off and the game's over they forge their two keys um yeah so i think it, it needs to it needs to get probably toned down a little bit like that one is insane so i'm really hoping that my box contains a martian generosity key abduction dependency deck and then i'm just gonna have so much fun oh all the fun yeah that's a hot take man uh i think it, like you're right like that is a problem i don't see it as much different than the lart land situation like if you think one was a problem you probably think this could be a problem too but if you didn't think lands was a problem and you do think this is a problem, I just I just don't get it, man. <laughs> That's a longer com- conversation for another day. Oh, I mean, it, it, I'm not sure if this one's as OTKable. I mean, you, you might need two key abductions in the deck, so there probably will be one out there because key abductions an uncommon, and Martian Generosity is a rare. So again, this one's going to be a little less common than lands, so not as many people are going to have access to it. So maybe that keeps it off the nerf radar but um drawing two cards for every one amber you lose is really 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 good and it's not very hard to like all of a sudden burst up to like 12 amber play that for 13 and draw 26 cards (laughs) and you're holding your entire deck in your hand at that point yeah yeah that is uh pretty crazy so so yeah i agree insane card insane card so save save your dollars kids don't buy the uh, martian generosity deck it's uh (laughs) open it and sell it real fast (laughs) yeah so dan can buy it and and terrorize me he's trying to pad the freaking market on this this is like insider trading uh no it's it's really good mars mars is much in a much better place now and that card really pushes pushes the power level there with key abduction still being around. I, I think you I think it's a great point and definitely an interesting point of discussion. Uh, so that is all for this week of Sanctimonious. Dan, really quickly, you want to hit him with your digital castle? Yep, Dan is someone. D A N I S S O M E one. That's on 
Twitter and Twitch. The Twitch has been super infrequent lately because of birthdays and all that other fun stuff that you know happens in the real world outside of the digital castle. Jake, where can they find you? Jake Freed, J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we will see y'all next week. Archons of the Crucible, the Age of Ascension is upon us. Go forth, build those battle lines, hate on the Reapers, and forge those keys.